Welcome to The Bear and the Ball. I'm your host, Nick Webster, and today I want to talk to you about coaching. Coaching is something that uh, I've done for the last 35 years. Started with my D license, and you won't believe this, but my instructor was Steve Hoffman, who is the current technical director of Cal South. I then took my C license, B license, and followed that up with the A license in 1994. I renewed that again in 1998, but unfortunately let it expire when I went to Fox. And now the process behind getting that A license renewed is quite challenging. I've also done diplomas with the United Soccer Coaches Federation. I've got the Premier Diploma, the Director of Coaching Diploma the Advanced National Goalkeeping Diploma, and in 2016-2017, I did the Master Coach and Soccer Leader Certification through the University of Delaware. That was something like 350 course hours, so it was really in-depth and covered everything about the game. But today I want to get into the nuts and bolts of coaching kids, because that's where I get a lot of my joy I'm still coaching. I coach my son's volunteer at my son's middle school, which is a ton of fun. And uh, I also coach at the high school level, collegiate level with UCSB, the women's program there. And now and again, I dip my toes into the pros. But let's really focus on why we plan a coaching session. Now, remembering this, Soccer is the most popular sport on the planet. FIFA have done studies and they reckon close to 282 million people play, coach or officiate in this game, which is roughly 4% of the world's population, which isn't bad. Now, it's easy to appreciate why soccer, football is played almost universally everywhere. And the reason is because there's only six, 17, sorry, 17 laws of the game. They're very easy to understand, implement, and adapt. And when it comes to equipment, well, all you really need is a ball. Nice to have some goals and corner flags and a line field, but you know what? You don't really need it to play this great game. I mean, boots and uniforms are nice as well, but in many parts of the world, lots of kids play in bare feet. Shirts versus skins. So you think about the ease, it's amazing. And compared to a lot of other sports, the physical and technical requirements of the game are pretty much evenly balanced, which makes the game that much more accessible to everybody. So let's talk about the basics of coaching this beautiful game. And when you think about it, more than ever, young players are exposed to this game through organized play rather than street soccer and the pickup games that I used to play. When I think to what my son's done, who's now almost 15 years of age, I mean, he's hardly played any unorganized soccer, which is uh, it's really, it's really quite staggering to, to think about. Most of his soccer has been organized. And so that being the case, the coach has now become this integral part of acquisitions of skills and game understanding. I mean, players used to figure it out themselves, but now they really look to the coaches 
So it really is vital that coaches are providing young players with these activities that look and feel like the game, i.e. game specific. The age and ability appropriate with individuals and group development challenges, which is really known as skill acquisition. But most importantly, and this is, we've spoken about this before on my podcast with so many different guests, fun, engaging, and allow the players to develop this lifelong love of the sport, otherwise known as passion and desire. And if kids have passion and desire, they will play this game for the rest of their lives. And more importantly, teach their kids the love of this great game. So as coaches, let's think about our responsibility to our players. Now, first and foremost, especially in the ages of between four to 15, 16, soccer is a game and games are inherently meant to be fun. So as a coach, we're in this amazing position because research has shown that a sports coach, not just a soccer coach, is one of the most influential figures in a young person's life outside of parents. Think about that. As a coach, often you spend more time with players than parents get to do because obviously they're working, they're traveling to and fro, and you get this special three hours, five hours, 10 hours a week where this young person looks up to you. Now, of course, with this privilege comes a ton of responsibility. And that responsibility is to develop young people, not only on the pitch, by teaching and guiding them how to play and love the game, but off the pitch. And sometimes we forget that. But think about the things that we want to talk about off the pitch. Instilling positive character, teamwork, responsibility, respect, accountability. All these qualities that young men and women can take through their entire lives. And the lessons learned as a young age really do stay with you. So it's vital that as coaches, we provide those lessons and we do it in the right, caring, empathetic way. So how can we get these character traits that we want? Well, we have to establish team rules and expectations. I think a big one for me is encouraging players to shake hands with everybody, with the coach, with their teammates when arriving and leaving practices and by respecting officials, doing the same with them, shaking hands, opposition players, coaches, and even parents. We do that practice. We do that match days. We do that on every occasion where we are in a situation where we need to show respect. Don't think it's a lot to ask, and I think it's very important that we promote that with our players. So we asked the question, why plan a coaching session? How many times have you gone to your child's practice or if you're a player yourself, gone to practice and seen the coach roll out the balls? Yep. 
Love that scene. That was practice. So he rolled out the balls. Yeah, look, kids want to play. But as we just noted at the beginning of this podcast, kids do not play unorganized soccer much anymore. So as the coach, you've got to think ahead. So there's a saying, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. It's true in sport, true in soccer, true in really all aspects of life. So let's think about the reasons why we should plan our coaching sessions, because there are lots of influencing factors within every team, club, organization, environment. And we need to think about our players in terms of long, medium, and short-term plans. When it comes to technical and tactical development, I think it's always good to follow a curriculum. Why a curriculum? Well, a curriculum gives you organization and it gives you a pathway. And a curriculum, sorry, kind of refers to the knowledge and skills an individual is expected to acquire over a course of time. A season in soccer is like an academic year in education. Now, in England, they've implemented the EPPP. Now, I know here in America, we and I, we lose our minds with all the acronyms because <laughs> there's so many. But the EPPP, it's the Elite Player Performance Plan, and it's been developed by professional youth academies in England. And by the U.S. Development Academy. Now, clubs are competing in these systems. They're required to have a very clear and defined philosophy, what the learning objectives are across all A groups, and a season plan detailing how this will be delivered week by week. Now, if coaches then follow this curriculum plan and Think about activities that will promote the learning outcomes for the chosen thing. So, yes, you can find a lot of coaching exercises in books, online. But I also like creativity. And it's great when, as a coach, you can imagine what a session looks like. Go out there and produce that session and see results. Look, from my own experiences, there is a difficult process to get it exactly right. But you definitely get to get a feeling of it's right. And where's that feeling come from? It comes from immediate feedback from your players. Now, what I hear a lot of times is that How can we get recreational and grassroots clubs? How can they formulate curriculums that allow their players to achieve age-specific learning objectives for the game? Now, of course, the answer is it's going to be very difficult. The reality is simple. Unless you've been an academy manager in a professional academy, it's really unlikely that you have experience designing and implementing a coaching curriculum for an entire cycle of development. And what we mean by an entire cycle of development is that season, that August to May, 
that's the professional season or, or here in America, that August to November, and then we pick up again in March through May, June. Look, professional coaches at academies, they follow guidelines. And those guidelines are usually laid out by the academy manager or technical director. But think about this. Just by asking questions of top coaches, you can find age-appropriate season plans, you can find video sessions, and you can find lots of templates for putting together that curriculum and designing that delivery over a period of time. So we've got that sorted. We've got our, we've got our season plan going. We know the topics we're going to choose. We're hopefully seeing improvement. We're hopefully seeing that desire and love come through. So the next thing you're going to hope to see, and I know that your players are going to want to see, is tactics to win the next game. So when we look at session planning, you think about your team that may have an upcoming game or tournament, and you want to implement specific tactics, especially if you happen to know the opposition. Or you may want to introduce a new tactical concept for your team and try it out. And I love doing that. But please remember, always introduce new tactical concepts in practice. Okay? Never ever do it the do it the uh you know 20 minutes before kickoff. All right, lads, you know you've been playing 4-3-3 all season long. Okay, today we're going to go 3-5-2. Yikes. You are definitely on for a proper hiding if you're not careful. Now, before a team can adopt these tactical principles, as I said, players and units, they must be able to recognize what their roles are within the system. And those roles and principles should be trained and rehearsed. So we can check for understanding, reinforce learning objectives, and actually see if our players have the tactical and technical and mental and physical capabilities to make the concept sing. Now, all over the internet, there's vast arrays of sessions around various tactical principles, along with guides covering roles and responsibilities. So remember that roles and responsibilities, players really have to know what they have to do, when they have to do it, and where they have to do it. So along those lines, let's look at developmental areas from previous games. Now, how many times have your players made the same mistakes or shown the same flaws and the coaches allowed opportunities for self-correction, but the answers aren't being found by the players? Well, I don't think that's always the fault of the players. As in, like many areas of life, 
People, players, we need help finding solutions. And this is where your planning is so important. I mean, sometimes it may be even necessary to step away from a curriculum or a season plan to address certain developmental areas before moving on again. I mean, it makes no sense however, to move on when a concept is unclear and it's not being implemented. Look, here's a, here's a scenario. Maybe your team is dominating possession, creating tons of chances due to movement, but the finishing techniques of the forward players isn't good. They're not scoring goals. What would you do in this situation? Well, this is what I would do. I'd plan a session specifically around finishing. Where are we? Where are we weak? Where are we struggling? Is it outside the penalty area, long shots? Is it inside the penalty area? And when we think about goals, most goals are scored in front of goal, about 10 yards out. To the left, to the right, to the middle. And this is the kind of practice session that you want to develop. How many times have you seen teams warm up prior to a game and they all do that drill where everyone stands in a line and it's played down the middle and the kid one-twos it? How many times have you seen goals scored like that in a game? Really think about it. Very, very rarely. So what we're doing is we're practicing before a game a skill, a technique that we're not going to see in the game. That's to me, is utter madness. And yet I see it week in, week out at every soccer facility I go to. So let's think about the kind of finishing we want our strikers to do. Maybe it's one-on-one. One-on-one against the keeper. Can you go around the keeper? Can you strike it first time? Can you pass it into the back of the net? You know, you need to you need to work with your strikers and really get to understand what they're thinking. I mean, I always believe that every striker has a favorite spot. Now, a good friend of mine, Eric Winolder, always tells me he has a spot. It's just at the far post where if a cross comes in, he can play it back, curl it into that into that far post area. I mean, it really is important to stress that mistakes within finishing, within certain components of the game, they shouldn't be seen as as negatives. Mistakes should be seen as opportunities. And these opportunities are for learning and for growth and for coaches to intervene and create this dialogue, this communication and this environment that has a positive learning experience. And creativity should always be encouraged. The last thing we want to do is create a whole army of robots. And unfortunately, that's the direction we're seemingly heading in. I mean, how many kids do you know who are number 10s? Everybody seems to be a number 10 these days, a midfielder. I mean, it just seems to be the catch-all for everybody. So look around. Find specific development areas and 
really search for that information and search for the content that is relative to the age group you are coaching. Now, what about that moment when you have to plan to step away from a plan? As coaches, it's worth creating opportunities to allow players to take responsibility for their own development. Think about this, the player's responsibility for their own development. As a coach, I allow my team to create their own games and practice sessions. And who does that? The players do that because the players know. Players know where they're strong. They know where they're weak. And if you can guide them, you can create these great young men and women who have a voice, who are not afraid to lead. And I think the benefits the players receive, it allows them to take ownership of the things they want to learn. And it also kind of sneakily goes back to the street-based roots of the game, which is about fun, enjoyment, and being with your friends. I would definitely trust yourself and trust your players to design a session. It doesn't have to be every week, but maybe once a month, once every two weeks. Your players design a session, and as a coach, you get to ask some questions. And maybe you get to see some really cool things where you can kind of set challenges. Now, remember, planning is a vital component in developing youth players. Kids should be acquiring game knowledge, techniques, skills at the right stages in their involvement within the game. And understanding skill acquisition is definitely correlated to the activities and sessions designed by you, the coach, and the consistent messaging communicated to your players. So how would you go about planning a coaching session? Well, there's definitely different ways that coaches can structure a training session to introduce, develop, refine certain players' skill bases and game understanding. Now, it's important that coaches ensure that the sessions they design and deliver are specific to what happens in the game and are age ability appropriated, appropriate, sorry, with individual and group challenges. They're fun, they're engaging. I mean, really, you have to develop sessions that are game related. So, ask yourself some questions. Is it directional? Is there a defined space? Is there a clear scoring system? A coach should ask themselves the following questions when planning for soccer development. Is soccer being played? Is soccer being coached and learned? Are your players enjoying the soccer experience? Do your players understand where the learning outcomes occur within the game? Are your players provided with individual and team challenges? And this is something that we don't see often enough. Are your players being asked to work hard physically?
Well, if the answer to any of those questions is no, then we as a coach, we have to self-reflect and ask ourselves if the structure of our sessions, is it aligned to the development of our players? So first and foremost, important steps in designing practices and sessions. You want to have somewhere to record your ideas. Now, I know pen and paper is almost like a, an antique these days, but you definitely want to create a legacy of your coaching sessions, your delivery. Have a history of what you've been doing. Because there's nothing better than going back through your logs and sometimes you're at a loss for a session and you remember stuff you've done years ago and all of a sudden it becomes appropriate again. Now I've used different methods to help players acquire game understanding and learn the skills to be successful. So here's an idea how to set up a coaching session to ensure that learning is taking place. Now, number one, progressive part and chaining method. The progressive part method, also known as chaining, it really is a popular teaching tool in soccer coaching. It can be used to teach almost any task, particularly those tasks that have a number of distinct elements and that are performed in a specific order. Now, this approach involves breaking down a complex action or tasks into smaller parts and then allowing the learner, the player, to perform and attempt each part in a sequential order. And what happens is they'll start building up the confidence and skill to perform the complete task. Many of soccer's governing bodies have preached this coaching method. And it's also pretty widespread in education when you think about it. You know, I've utilized the progressive part method for many years when working with youth players because I believe the warm-up allows players to acclimatize to the environment and sets the scene for the key learning points. Technical practice facilitates and refines technical requirements that are needed to achieve the outcomes. And then the skill practice that introduces pressure and game-specific decision-making. And then the great part is the game can be used to piece everything together to allow players to demonstrate understanding and execution of the learning objectives in a competitive environment. Number two, whole part whole method. Players are first exposed to the whole in this method. It could be a version of the game as this allows players to prepare and recognize what the learning objectives and concepts are within the larger framework of the game. An example could be a session on midfield rotation. Could begin with 9v9, with both teams playing like a 1-3-3-2. The coach then focuses and shifts to the part, accelerating players' learning and development of the practice objectives. Look, in the theme of the midfield rotation, that part may be to set up a 3v3 plus 2 rondo exercise with players focusing specifically on movement, rotation, and combinations. Because once players begin to understand and perform specific coaching points, it's time to turn it back to the whole. And coaches assess the learning that has been taking place and identify players' understanding of individual parts within the context of the game. A whole part, whole method can also be used to teach 
individual techniques to young players. A new player to soccer may be asked by a coach or parent to strike the ball at goal. Look, the process of striking the ball can then be broken down into parts. Think about this. Angle of approach, non-cooking foot, head over the ball, knee over the ball. What part of the foot are you kicking with? And then we return back to the hole and the original challenge. The whole part whole method actually was really promoted by uh, the English Football Association youth methods, youth modules, excuse me. And I think the benefits are opportunities for players to play, definite opportunities for coaches to observe. It really allows players to familiarize themselves with learning objectives within the game. It promotes coaches to start using the game as a starting point when planning sessions because players want to play. And young players, what do they want to do? Like I just said, they want to play. Number three, carousel. This coaching method involves dividing your squad into two, three, or even four subgroups and then setting up stations or activities around a specific theme. Remember, as players complete each activity before coming together and then learning the objectives in the game. Now, some of the benefits of this type of session are that it can cater for really large numbers of players. Introduce variation into your practices and allows for the creation of different game-specific scenarios within the same practice. An example could be dribbling to finish, finishing with a one-touch, beating a defender to finish, and volley finishes. You can find sessions like those all over the internet. And then number four, part variety method. Now, the part method involves the coach breaking down the complexities of a concept into distinct parts that are practiced separately. Now, unlike the progressive part method, the part variety method may may or may not be directly integrated. Rather, the part method may be utilized to coach a number of different components that can link to the concept within the game. For example, a coach may deliver a part one practice that focuses on receiving to play forwards. Part two works on passing and combination play. Part three involves finishing in the final third. See, these three exercises are correlated to achieve the outcome of playing forwards to finish. It's very simple. So, in summary, there are a number of ways to plan a coaching session. And the structure that a coach adopts can be determined by factors including the ability of your players, players' needs, requirements, space, and player numbers. And above all, however you choose to plan to deliver a session, It's so important that the session looks like the game, challenges the players, and is fun to play in. Now, I hope that was interesting for you. I love coaching. This has been part, a major part of my life for many, many years, and I've been lucky enough to coach so many different players of varying abilities and levels. And I hope to continue to do that for many, many years. As always, you can reach me at Nick Webster on Twitter. You can certainly find lots of coaching, education at CalSouth. Go to CalSouth.com. And of course, you can find us on Instagram at CalSouthSoccer, on Twitter at CalSouthSoccer. The Bear and the Bull will be back next week. And just to let you know that we are at CalSouth planning something sensational. I'm sure many of you have heard of the FA Cup in England. The FA Cup is a great tournament. Why? Because 
Teams are drawn out of a hat, and they get to play all over the place. You get the big boys against the minnows. And that's what we're going to do here at Cal South. The Cal South Open Cup. It's going to be open to everybody. That's right. U.S. Club, U.S.Y.S. Hey, if you've got a team, you can enter. And we are currently working on a top prize that will blow your minds. Seriously. How many of you have ever been to Portugal? To Lisbon? Well, that's all I'm going to say on that until we actually announce the details. But until then, this has been Nick Webster. Can't wait to see you out there on the pitch.